0: Coming to listen to me, Um, I am indeed a technology ethicist. But while we're talking about the uh, uh, spam, possible questions, and so on, say I'm a philosopher who likes getting his hands oily. So I took a postgraduate degree in artificial intelligence. My talk is very focused, as is my work, really down to earth on specific specific questions. I want to talk about what limits we can place on behaviours. What what limits, if any, we can put on behavior in virtual worlds. But I'm quite happy to talk about uh, meta-ethics, uh, the philosophy of the self, uh, multi-layered neural nets, but not during this, probably that's for later, if you want to put me up on any of those things. Uh, I should also say that this career of wanting to do applied philosophy down and dirty has meant that I've spent a lifetime teaching... No, trained to teach ethics to engineers and computer scientists. Uh, and I'm on the ethics committee of a lot of uh, companies, commercial organizations in the area. Uh, not as many as I'd like to be. We can, we can talk about that. Um, the, the reason I say not as many as I'd like to be uh, is not of a sense of greed. It's of some sense of fulfillment, um, because ethics work is traditionally unpaid. Because there will be a clear conflict of interest if you page your ethics committee. I hope you can all see that. (laughs) Ethics 101. Um, But because so few high tech companies actually care about ethics. Uh, And maybe uh, we could be challenged on that. I'm also on the ethics committee of BCS, the Chartered Institute for IT, and the Royal Academy of Engineering. But (coughs) back to uh, oh, a couple more things that that Johnny gave me license to talk about. One is religion. Uh, and I have to say I'm a secular ethicist, uh, which means I've got no uh, divine authority and I'm very interested in what you say back to me on, my, on the principles I'm going to pull out in this talk, because that's going to affect my work. Uh, and so that's part of being a secular ethicist. But before we all disappear into a secular ghetto, It's worth remembering, and I always have to remember in my work, that most people in the world get their ethics from revealed religion. And while we're on virtual worlds and revealed religion, Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28 seem to say that a virtual offense is every bit as bad as a real offense. Uh, Anyway, back to the secular stuff. The other thing Johnny gave me license to talk about is games, so I'm going to apply some of this stuff to games. Uh, These are basically what I want to say during this this talk. Uh, First of all, uh, this new technology doesn't require any new ethical principles. We can work with the ones we've got. Feel free to disagree. Um, uh, That's just fine. I would say I learnt a lot from Alan Badiou's right. brain, no, foolhardy attempt to invent a new meta-ethics at the beginning of the 21st century. The main thing I learned was don't. Right. Um, and I'll talk about Alan Badiou later, if you like. Uh, really very interesting, very, sorry, not very, foolhardy. Um, I'm going to introduce what I call the libertarian principle, which I think will dominate thinking in the regulation of Uh, behaviour in virtual worlds. Again, you can disagree. Uh, Then I'm going to put four Um, counter-arguments. They don't actually say the libertarian principle is wrong. They say we need to restrict it in very heavy ways. And then if I've got time, I'll go through a worked example. Um, Because I'm a practical ethicist, and I want to show you this isn't all just unapplicable philosophy. Okay, the libertarian principle basically is if it doesn't affect anybody else, there should be no restrictions. Um, So what you do in World of Warcraft or in a virtual reality, even if it's as good as a holodeck, is your own business. Because it only affects you. Um, uh, Obviously, in some cases it can affect others and that's one of the reasons that it's worth looking at my, my four counter arguments. Uh, I'm not necessarily a fan, or I'm not saying it, it's come purely from Mill, but he, he came late to this, I think maybe because he was um, he had a good clear understanding of the pioneering work done by his dad's mate, Ger- Jeremy Bentham, uh, but he put it rather succinctly, uh, and so it's worth saying this is thing that dominates a lot of thinking. Certainly in terms of your common sense thinking, uh, in the Western world, Mills, I think, would be quite clearly. Feel free to disagree, but I, but I think that's that's an important and pretty statement of the libertarian principle. If it doesn't affect anybody else, whose business is it? Okay, well, oh, it's worth also subscripting that to say that the libertarian principle is not typically applied to children or people with cognitive impairment, <laughs> only to <coughs> fully sentient, fully rational adults, as a general rule. Um, again, there are gray areas. <coughs> um, gray areas are where I work, <laughs> but this, I'm not trying to uh, use that as uh, any sort of argument. I'm reminded of Philip Philippa Foote's most wonderful quote The fact of twilight does not entail that there is no difference between night and day. So, the fact that there may be debates about when people grow old enough to have the libertarian principle of life and doesn't mean that there are definite exclusion cases and definite inclusion cases. Can't argue from hazy boundaries to no concepts. Uh, Okay, sometimes it's hard to be a robot. It's the title of one of my papers, and I hope you all get the Tammy Wynette reference because so many people don't. <laughs> it's the opening line of the song. Um, and I think it's very important to say this, right? <laughs> I guess most people uh, meet artificial intelligence face to face, as it were. I mean, if they use a mobile phone, a neural net is determining the priority of their call. If you drove into Oxford today, Traffic lights are controlled by a neural nets, so and they are jailed for not uh, accepting commands from an AI system. Very interesting, but <laughs> most people think of AI as how good a character is dodging out of their way uh, as they try to shoot it. Uh, I didn't put my hand up when asked the gamers because I've never played any games, I don't get the appeal. But I believe this background is from a game called GTA 4. Uh, which encourages players to engage in a very high level of criminality and violence. important to say that not all games involve violence, not all games involve killing people, but also important to say many do. And this one is a particularly nasty example. Uh, so when you think about my libertarian principle, it's okay to do this, and the counter arguments, here's a case to apply it to straight away. GTA 4. Um, I agree with, well, you'll, you'll see, I'm not going to disagree with any anything Johnny said on this subject, but please note that there can be an extreme level of misbehaviour in the virtual world, and this has already happened. It's not in the science fiction world, this is where we are now. So, um, let's put four arguments against the anything-goes Application of the libertarian principle. The first and most obvious one is people might do it for real. And again, I'm not really going to disagree with Johnny's uh, uh, analysis of the empirical research. It's very, very difficult to get reliable evidence on this. There's, um, there's a meta study by Anderson and there's some work at MIT that I kind of respect, which shows a weak correlation between playing uh, a violent video game and being desensitized to violence. But it's, it's no stronger effect than you get from watching uh, a particularly gory movie or whatever. That, that effect is real. And of course, I've spent a lifetime listening to students, well, or <coughs> putting big red lines through their essays when they said, I've been playing Doom, Duke, Duke, Duke Call of Duty, Left the Dead with extra blood for 10 years now, even though I'm only 18, and it hasn't turned me into a murdering psychopath yet, uh, and writing, this is not an argument. You know. uh, uh, but that's constantly what you hear. And, and again, to paraphrase the student's argument it's something more workable, hundreds of thousands, millions, millions of people are spending 20 hours a week in an extremely violent environment. And there's really no evidence that it's turning them into uh, murdering psychopaths. There really is there's no conclusive evidence. So uh, and Catharsis, the Aristotelian concept was mentioned earlier. Uh, of course, you know, sometimes they say by doing this, by playing a violent game, that makes me much less likely to beat up the other students. Again, I would say the evidence is weak, the empirical evidence is weak. Um, uh, so all in all, I'm not too impressed by the people who might do it for real. arguments th- feel free to be so in any of these cases, but I I don't think it's terribly compelling. Maybe in a few cases, but anything could have pushed these people over the edge. It's it's clearly not a massive bet. Otherwise, we would have you know we would have um, this level of driving and murder and I think. I think this is the game where you pay a prostitute for sex and then run her over as she walks away and get the money back. And that's regarded as good player. Right, aren't As I say, I'm not a gamer, but I'm sure there are gamers in the room. Um, it, if it really did have that big an effect, we'd have noticed by now, because gaming is not a minority activity. Right? And it's been there for years. I believe the average age of a gamer is now approaching 40. So it's not something that teenagers do. Um, If it did, if it did produce it in real life, we'd know all about it. I suspect. Okay, let me um, try this one. Uh, This argument, Colin Bearden, um, uh, put this one forward very well. Actually, Neil Frude, back in the eighties, wrote a book called uh, "Gosh, what is the book called?" Uh, Artificial Companions, uh, arguing that we can make such pleasant experiences. In the virtual that no one will ever want to visit the real um, again i'm not convinced that this is a real problem uh, and if it is a real problem maybe you need to look at just how bad we're making our realities so if, if people need to escape there's two sides to that ethically one is the, the pull factor for the, for the virtual world but the other is the push factor of the real world um, Feel free to disagree, but again, I don't think people will prefer the virtual to the real. Obviously there may be some people who are psychologically susceptible to this, or whose real-life circumstances are so unpleasant that they want to spend all their time in a virtual world. But again, the evidence is, the evidence from all these millions of gamers worldwide is that people can handle it. They can separate the virtual to the real and regulate their time. Uh, So I'm not too worried about this one either. the third is some things are just unacceptable, even virtually. Uh, the the case in British law is obviously my work often involves talking to lawyers. Not an experience i recommend if you can avoid it. Very sorry if there's any lawyers in the room, but they're, they're probably agreeing with me. The Spanner case. Uh, 1990, I believe, in Manchester, a number of, uh, of men, gay men, would prosecute you know, for sadomasochistic acts, really quite brutal things. Uh, and the court ruled that consent was not sufficient. You couldn't consent to be tortured as badly as that. Um, so obviously, some things aren't acceptable, even in private, among consenting adults, at least I've gone for the European courts at least in European law. Uh, I don't know if there's been a test case in the States or anywhere else. Please tell me if you know of one. But there was a test case in this country in 1990. So some things aren't acceptable. Um, again, I'm not desperately impressed by this argument uh, because I can't see what the limits are. Um, maybe we should have a debate. When I discuss it with students, as I have done for decades, they say, murder? Fine. In fact mass murder killing thousands of people that's okay right oh well, i'm not so sure about that pedophilia no no everybody hates pedos so uh they there is a clear emerging limit there so some things are acceptable virtually including you know machine gunning people gratuitously running people over and so on. that's acceptable virtually but pedophilia maybe not i i'm not sure where that limit comes from and, and if you've got a a good reason case for saying that's right, that's how we should limit it, then fine, tell me. Um, because uh, possibly we need to, if we're going to do ethics in the virtual worlds, we need to find that limit. Or we need to have some idea. We need to grow towards it, if you pardon the expression, more or less now, 2015. Um, yeah, I, 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 I really can't see why murder becomes acceptable, but paedophilia not. Especially when you discounted the they might do it for real argument. Um, So come to uh, number four. And I I should give away here that I think this is the only one of these four restrictions on the libertarian principle that I think gets any real traction. Possibly explains why I'm keen to be on ethics committees at certain Companies that don't have any ethics committees, Um, but I think that's really quite. This this is um, it's not an overwhelming case against libertarian principle. But if you have designed a virtual environment in which people are encouraged to drive badly, commit all sorts of criminal activities, you really need to examine your conscience. Why would you do such a thing? Um, And all right. Here's the answer, it sells, okay? So you're giving me the standard ethical argument of the drug dealer. That's, that's a good argument for going into heroin. Right? Um, for sure, you can develop an addictive game that involves high levels of violence, and you can make a lot of money. But you could do that, you could research legal highs, there's other ways you can do that. We I mean, are not engaged in abject condemnation of anybody in this business. I'm just saying that if the ethical finger points anywhere, this is where it points. Um, Doesn't that rely on one of the other three arguments being valid? Though? Not necessarily. Um, it's, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, I, I don't think it does, right? Um, because even if they won't do it in real life, uh, what was the second one? Um, you can't do that even virtually. Uh, it's even, it's the one. even even so, even, even if they're all completely false, I still think you've done a bad thing by producing such a system, and and the justification that it's popular doesn't well, which is sure the justification that it would work, still doesn't work for me. Ah, the justification would be that you're increasing flow. <laughs> You certainly are <laughs> increasing flow, but you could have made um, a morally acceptable virtual world and still produce flow. I mean, again, the empirical evidence is weak. And I, I also said, not all not all popular or good games involve extreme levels of violence. right? right? Uh, and if you ask game addicts, you say, is it the violence that's attracting you? I've never heard anyone say yes. They would say, exactly what Johnny said. They said he it's the levels, it's the constant challenge, it's the variety. So you could have you could have done a game without the extreme level of violence. But if we are focusing on the game that so the worked example I wanted to work through to bring it closer to the present day is uh, Wonderland. And I suppose I shouldn't say in, in that adopted title for this. That's a, devious reference to an Oxford academic. You all wouldn't? Yeah. Now, and and again, I'm no expert on this sort of stuff, but I believe in Second Life. You all know what Second Life is? Yeah. Okay. I believe that uh, in 2007, an area was detected in which what's known as age play was going on. And as I understand it, again, no expert, this involved people pretending to be children for the sake of online encounters of a sexual nature. And this is a, a good example to work through. And I'm going to assume uh, that no real children were involved. Right? The, the Linden Labs uh, policy of restricting it only to adults meant that there were no children involved online. There's only people with childlike avatars, for whatever reason, pretending to be children. Uh, I don't know whether or not it's true, but I'm, I'm going to assume that. Um, so uh, no physical harm. I'm, I'm also, you know, if we could run by, now, now's a good time to run by the four counterarguments. Would they do it for real? Are they more likely to do it for real? I don't see why this is any different from the violence in computer games' case, we think it's a similar case. Uh, would people prefer the virtual to the real and not come back into reality? No evidence of that. Uh, gosh, what's the third one? Um, oh, is it unacceptable? And you may be thinking, look, it just is. Peter pedophilia is just so unacceptable that even playing, I mean, pretending to do it with adults who are prepared to do it with you online is just unacceptable you know this this may fall on counter three for you. It's just such a horrible thing to do. I don't know that, that works. But um let's go through this. <coughs> um, Linden labs are at first reluctant to intervene, or Linden Lab. Um, presumably going with the libertarian principle, or oh, maybe just being clueless actually not knowing what to do. Um, again, I'd say there is no evidence that this sort of facility, paedophile playground, encourages real life paedophile Again, more research, please. There's not a lot of evidence. Um, I do believe the latest studies are suggesting paedophiles are born, not made, but <laughs> either way, you know, my fault, I'll, I'll you up, you might want to apply all four in this case. But uh, again, we have to say that if you're a computer company providing a paedophile playground, even though there's no evidence that what, you're, that what you've built actually encourages paedophilic behaviour, that's not enough for you to say it's definitely not doing that. Which, of course, you know, Linden Labs came under more and more pressure. Um, and eventually took steps to prevent this. Uh, So essentially, it was a a learning process for them, and I think also a good application of the four principles. Really, the main thing they decided was we can't be associated with this. And you can notice certain other companies, um, many of them not noted for their ethical behavior. Again, getting into a mess, finding criticism, and then slowly raising their ethical gain. I think, uh, again, this is part of the process. Do you you want to be the sort of person who facilitates this sort of behavior? Um, And just try and finish on the positives. I've said nothing here about all the benefits that can come from this. Johnny had plenty of benefits. But of course, if you design a virtual world or a virtual system, there's nothing to stop you designing in positive ethics, positive values. <laughs> because ethics is just about, it really is about making the world a better place. It's not about providing lists of things you mustn't do. And even though I've gone into the restriction side here, I've, I've gone towards that what you mustn't do. The media, I, the positive message is just don't build a bad virtual world. Try and build a good one. And surely that's what the ethical thing to do is. And uh, for anyone who has been, thank you for listening.